Well, hopefully you have your Bible or your Bible app nearby. Turn to Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 through 2. Familiar passage of Scripture. I felt directed here today. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before Him, He endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. You know, we're all concerned about the future. The future is always uncertain, of course, but it seems more uncertain now because we don't have the stability of our routines, the stability of life. Everything's in flux. Everything seems to be in chaos. And so the uncertain future seems even more uncertain because we have nothing to hold on to. By the grace of God, I want to encourage us today. Give us something to hold on to. I want you to realize that your why will determine your future. Your purpose will determine your future. What happens in this world doesn't determine your future. What happens in our personal lives doesn't determine our future. But our focus, our purpose is what determines our future. Let's trust in God and what He'll speak to the church today. My brother and I, we really enjoy listening to Christian comedians. And there's this one Christian comedian, Michael Jr. You may have heard of him. And what he does in his bit as he, you know, during his stand-up routine, is he'll take a pause in the middle of the routine and he'll have this interaction with the crowd. And in one instance, he found a choir teacher, and he began to interact with, with him. And I want to share that with you now because it demonstrates what I want to focus on here today. So you're a musical director. Cool. Yes, sir. All right, so um, let, me get a couple, let me get a couple bars of like uh, Amazing Grace. Can you do the first part of that? Let me, go ahead. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Wow. That bro could sing. You know what I'm saying? All right, all right. Uh, now, once you give me the version, is if. Uh, your uncle just got out of jail. You got shot in the back when you was a kid. I'm just saying, let me see the hood version real quick. If you know which version I'm talking about, just see if that exists. Let me see what you got. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that Save a 
Just like that man when he first sang, the choir director, he did it right. He sang according to each note, but there was something mis missing. The passion was missing. And I think that's how we can be in life. That's how I've felt lately. It's like we just fall into this mindless routine of let's just get through this. And it's not that we're off target or doing something wrong, but instead of living with passion, instead of living with energy, instead of living with hope and vision, we're just going through the motions. But what Michael Jr. gave him in that second rendition was a purpose, a why. Why are you singing this song? And that's when that song came to life. Because that's how it is in our lives as well. When we live our lives with a purpose, with the why, with an understanding of why we're doing it, then it comes to life. We don't just sing some mindless song, but instead we sing Amazing Grace with that passion deep down in our soul. And that's what I'm hoping God is going to help us today with. I know we've been going through it. I know we're facing struggles. I know we're, we're going through all the challenges that are a very apparent right now. But I do not want that to sap us, zap us of our strength, take away the passion inside of our lives. No, instead, I want God to reinvigorate our souls, to jumpstart our hearts through the power of His Spirit. Whenever you and I realize that it's our purpose that is going to set our souls on fire. Oh, praise God. Praise God. But early on in life, I realized there were different kinds of whys. And we lived in Louisiana as a boy, and my father would often have us, my brother and I, pull weeds from underneath the house, sometimes for punishment, and sometimes just because we didn't have a weed eater. And I remember one time, it's a little two-bedroom, pier-and-beam house, and so we couldn't quite get to the weeds with the mower, so we'd have to get on our hands and knees and pull the weeds out from underneath the house. And as we were pulling these weeds out from the, underneath the house, I remember one day saying, why do we have to do this? Why can't we just buy a weed eater? And my dad quickly piped up and says, boy, stop whining. We don't have a weed eater. Just pull the weeds. He got my attention really quick, and he helped me to realize there are different kinds of whys in life. See, I had a whining why. I was allowing the temporary discomfort that I was going through pulling those weeds to create complaining in my heart. But my dad was trying to instill in me a purpose why. It doesn't matter if you don't have a weed eater. It doesn't matter how you have to get the job done. You just get the job done. He was trying to instill in us that when we're faced with a temporary struggle, we do not allow that struggle to create a whining why inside of us. Instead, you let your purpose why push through the struggle. And I believe that's what dad, dad's lesson is what 
taught us to push forward no matter what the struggle is. We focus on the long-term vision and not the temporary discomfort. Because Dad also knew that our future will be determined by our why. Our purpose, our why, will determine our future. You know, the why moments in our lives, those whining why moments in our lives, are when we ask, why, God? Sometimes it's trivial. Sometimes it's, you know, why didn't I get that thing or something that we wanted? Sometimes it gets more serious, though. Why this COVID? Why this pandemic? Why are certain people not healed? Why injustice, God? The danger, though, is if we allow that why to drift to whining why, it can rob us of our future. It can rob us of our passion. It can rob us of our relationship with God. We have to be very careful when we start questioning God with a whining wise spirit. Because our why will determine our future. Just ask the Israelites. The Israelites were set free from Egypt. God did it miraculously. He swallowed up Pharaoh and he swallowed up the Egyptian army in the Red Sea. But just before they got to the Red Sea, the people were afraid and they, they had been set free from Egypt and they were afraid because the Red Sea is in front of them, the enemies approaching them behind them. And they, they t- asked Moses, what have you done? Did you just bring us out here to die? Are there not enough graves in Egypt that you had to bring us out here to, for us just to die here in the wilderness? Why have you brought us out here? Sure enough, God delivers them. They go into the wilderness. Later, they're, they're, they're hungry and they're, 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 they're dying of hunger and are on the brink of starvation. And Again, they're questioning Moses. They're questioning the leaders. They're questioning God. Why have you brought us out here just to die? There's no food to eat. God miraculously provides manna. Then later, they get tired of the manna. I wish I could go back to Egypt because then I'd have some garlic and onions and meat and at least I I had some food. So God miraculously provides food from the air. The birds come and they're able to eat as much meat as they want. But they were never satisfied. No matter what God did in the moment, no matter what God continued to provide for them, they were never satisfied. They had a why, God, whining, why, Spirit. And they were always looking back. Always looking back to the good old days in Egypt. Always looking back to what, yes, God had provided at one time to save, to salvage Jacob and his descendants through the famine, and he used Joseph in a mighty way. But God was moving on to something new and something different in the future. God had a different plan for them. But what they were doing is they were trying to go back and and live in that past provision of God. But that past provision of God had turned into a prison with chains. And they forgot about the chains. Because when God moves on, it's time for His people to move with Him. The will of God is never in the past. The will of God is never behind us. The will of God is always ahead of us. And those 
those whining why first-generation Israelites missed out on the promises of God, missed out on the will of God because they were looking back, longing for something that, that instead of what God was providing. And they get to the promised land. And you know the story. After the spies come back and some give a good report, but they also talk about the giants and the struggles that they're going to face because this Christian life, this, this life living for God is full of struggle. It is full of hardship. But it's full of hardship with God as our King and our Savior. But they didn't see that. And they, they, they told Moses, Why is the Lord bringing us to this land? Only to let us fall by the sword. We should choose a leader and go back to Egypt. You see, their whining why kept them from the future that God had for them. It kept them from the provision. It kept them from the promise that God had for them. A whining why does not trust God. And God said, no one's going to enter this land except Joshua and except Caleb. And their, their why changed the destiny of a generation. That's how important our purpose is. That's how important our why is. And here's where it gets a little challenging for us, brothers and sisters. Something for us to think about. Whining why Christians can sound a lot like whining why Israelites. Andy Stanley said this, Therefore, this would be a modern interpretation of Hebrews chapter 12, and I think this hits us all. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us hide, whine, complain, hoard our resources just in case, put our Bibles in a drawer, build bomb shelters, purchase ammunition, blame the cops, blame the president, blame the teachers, blame our mamas, demand our rights, build a wall, tax the rich, play it safe, find somebody to sue, take back our country, pray Jesus return so we don't have to suffer. I think that hit all of us in one way or the other. We're in the middle of a struggle, we're in the middle of trial, and we want relief and if we're not careful, careful, whining why Christians can sound a lot like whining why Israelites. Always looking back to God's past provision that was never meant to be static, that was never meant to be concrete, where we just stay there. But we want to go back to that provision because we at least know He provided in that way. But don't you realize the past is just a prison? That provision is no longer what God has for us. What God has for us is in the future. I know it's difficult. I know it's challenging right now. But I want to encourage the church, do not look back like those first generation Israelites. God is moving us forward. And they were never satisfied. No matter what God did, they were never satisfied. They were consumers. I think COVID has revealed the consumers in the body of Christ. I certainly don't mean to be disrespectful or harsh. I know there's many people that are connected to the church that are doing everything in their power. But you know what I believe has happened? People that were in the church just for themselves, we don't hear them much anymore. We don't see them connected much anymore. Oh, sincere seekers, people, people wanting God to do something in their life, oh, they're still tuning in. They're still you know, putting their 
their comments in the, in, the, in the comments section, wanting to get baptized. That hasn't kept them from God. The, the body of Christ that still longs to be together. I know of elders who, who, who are unable to get out of the house, but they're calling, they're texting, they're tuning in, they're, they're doing everything they can in their power to stay connected to the body because they know the body is their life source. They know this is where they get their strength. They, not, not only where they get their strength, where they can provide strength to the body themselves. But who's left out? It's consumers. People that are just in church just for themselves. Because right now, there's not much we can do for you. There's not much that we can do for uh, an entertainment crowd. There's not much we can do for people that are just going to be consuming. And I know this may seem harsh, but I've got to say it. Consumers are like cancer in the body of Christ. They won't mature. They're always taking healthy blood from, from other people that deserve it, other, other healthy cells. They're, 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 they, won't, they won't stop dividing. They won't, they won't, they won't stop they won't mature. They keep, errat- they keep messing up the body in all these different ways. But what God has revealed through this time is God's, through His grace, has realized that, has revealed the cancer in the body. Church isn't about entertainment. Church is about His grace his gospel, and his people loving each other. And so as people consume, they don't find a place where they fit in the body. But people that contribute find their place. And that may seem harsh to call out, but if you had cancer in your body, you'd want to get rid of it, wouldn't you? If there's cancer in the body of Christ, we want to get rid of that. And that's what that whining, wise spirit can do. I'm not minimizing our pain or minimizing our trials. The church is a hospital for the broken. The church is a hospital for those that are truly in need. So if you're tuning in right now and, and, and you have a need, we're here for you. We're a hospital. We're going to shine bright in this world. But don't turn the hospital into a hotel and start asking for room service. Listen, once you've been healed, once you've been restored, we need you now more than ever. We need you to be a nurse. We need you to be a doctor. We need you to reach out and love somebody. Right now more than ever, we need the body to be the body, to shine, to love, to strengthen one another. Go beyond consumption. Go beyond selfish, self-interest, whining. Why purpose is just me? No, the purpose is the kingdom. The purpose is God's body. The purpose is to love, to reach, to go beyond and see lives transformed. Everyone right now has a responsibility for the body. It's not just Pastor Shaw. We can't do it on our own. It's not just the pastoral staff or the production team. Right now, it's the body of Christ has to be the body. We have to love one another. We have to strengthen one another. We have to go beyond consumption. Go beyond it's in it for, what's in it for me to what can I do to contribute? What can I do to give back? We want to move forward in the promises of God. And to do so, we need a different kind of why. We need to have a a why that's bigger than our temporary pain. I've shared this story often because it's so startling. Victor Frankel was a psychologist 
And the Holocaust, he lived during, through the Holocaust, experienced the horrors of Auschwitz. And as a psychologist, of course, he processed it totally different than the other prisoners. He was looking at how this impacted the human psyche and how humans would respond to the horrific horrors of the Holocaust. People are emaciated and starved just to the brink of death and then worked to the bone. And and what Viktor Frankl noted, Adler at the time would say that humans live for power Freud at the time would say that humans live for pleasure. All those things were stripped from those Holocaust prisoners. And what Frankl noted is no, humans don't live for power. Humans don't live for pleasure, ultimately. Humans live for hope. And they would often note among the prisoners, when someone gave up hope, they would smoke their last cigarette. Cigarettes could be used to barter and get food and different things, but when they saw somebody give up hope, they'd be standing on the side of the building smoking a cigarette. And everybody would know that they're done. But those people, those men in that horrific circumstance that held on to hope, held on that, to something beyond the Holocaust, they could not be killed by the Nazis. They couldn't be starved to death. They couldn't be worked to death. Oh sure, they could find some means to kill them, but they could not defeat their will. They could not defeat the hope inside of them. Frankel himself had the hope of seeing his wife again, and that's what allowed him to persevere through all the struggle. And here's what he discovered. He redeemed a former philosopher's statement. He said this, In his book, Man's Search for Meaning, he who has a why to live for can bear any how. No matter what we go through, as long as we have a why to live for, we can bear any how. More recently, Chan would say this, to persevere, we need a vision that's bigger than our pain. Oh, brothers and sisters, that's what we have. We have a vision that is bigger than our pain. The enemy wants to take this. I'm not saying the enemy has done the pandemic or done all the problems that we have, but the enemy wants to use this time and at this time of weakness to try to jump in and, and destroy families, jump in and destroy hearts, jump in and destroy people's minds. Uh, we have people that have lost loved ones during this time. We have people that have faced the, the, the demons of hell during this time. We have people that are going through many struggles during this time, but what the enemy doesn't know is we have a why that's bigger than our pain. We have a why that is bigger than our pain. We have a why, and his name is Jesus Christ. We are persevering through every struggle, through everything that the enemy wants to throw at us. Oh, I know I'm getting animated right now. And if you're tuning in for the first time, you're just going to have to forgive me. But I want you to know that nothing is going to destroy the church. Nothing is going to destroy a people who have a hope that is bigger than the struggle that we're going through. Oh, praise God. Let's just take a praise break right now and celebrate what God is doing in his people. This is not going to destroy his church. This is going to see greater things happen by his grace. Oh, praise God. Praise God. We have determined, we have determined, we're not going to let this destroy us. We're not going to let our lives and our family and our church be defined by pain, be defined by bitterness, be defined by whining. No, we are going to allow our lives to be defined by purpose. 
One author said a generation that is sick of hype is so ready for hope. We are ready for hope, brothers and sisters, because that's what's buried deep inside of us that nothing in this world can destroy. Oh, praise God. Pain will not determine our future. Our purpose will determine our future. You know how to flip a whining why into a purpose why? It's real easy. Just a simple grammatical movement. You say, instead of why God, question mark, it's why, question mark, God, period. (laughs) Instead of a whining why, it's God, I trust you. Whatever you want to do in my life, God, I'm following after you. Hebrews, the, the scripture that we read at the beginning, was written to people who were facing great difficulties and struggles and uncertain future, just like we are right now. And the writer encourages them to press forward in faith and don't shrink back from the promises that God has given you. Don't shrink back from those. Don't lose sight of those. And the writer says, Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, who were these witnesses? We read them in the previous chapter. Noah Why are you building a boat? It's never rained and you're out in the middle of nowhere. Why? God. God told me to build a boat, so I'm going to build a boat. I'm going to follow the purpose that he has, his will for my life. Abraham, why are you living in tents with no home? You're a rich man. You come from a prominent family. Why? God, I'm looking for a a city whose architect and builder is God. Sarah, why do you still want a child in your old age? Why do you think that you can still have a child? God, God has given me a promise and I'm still holding on to that promise. Moses, why don't you want to live in luxury in Pharaoh's courts the rest of your life? Why? Oh, because of God. I've got a reward that's greater than all the treasures of Egypt. I've got the reward of knowing God in the fullness of his power. I don't even have time to talk about Jacob and Joseph and Rahab and Gideon and Barak and and Samson and Jephthah and David and Samuel and prophets. Not only those, but those who endured torturing, put to death by stoning, sawed in two, persecuted and mistreated, refused to be released. Why? The scripture says that they might gain an even better resurrection. They had a hope buried deep inside of them that nothing in this world could put out. And that's who we are, brothers and sisters. That's who we are as the people of faith. Instead of looking back, you know what they did? If they had been thinking about another country, Scripture says, they would have left. But they, and they had the opportunity to return, Scripture says. But instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God was not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. You see, those people had a hope that was not in this world, that was not in their past, but it was in the plan of God. And so they pursued it and stayed steadfast, and they, st- they persevered through it all for that hope that they had in their hearts. They had a why, they had a purpose that was bigger than their temporary struggle. Listen, I know I want normalcy just as much as anybody right now. I want to go back to when we had things in routine. But when, I, when, I, when God began to speak to me through this message, I realized I don't want to go back. I don't want to go back to what was in the past, even though that was wonderful and it was what God provided for us in the past. That was his provision then. But what if, just what if, God is 
taking us to a new dimension, taking us to places we've never imagined before if we will not allow the, the gravitation to the past to hold us back. What if God is leading us to something unprecedented? What if God is pushing us forward? I'm not saying that he caused this, but all things can still work together for good to those that love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. Therefore, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Runners don't carry much. Runners in the Olympics, we've got to talk to them about their holiest values. They've got those little skimpy shorts, little tank top, but they're not carrying anything else. They're track shoes, and that's about it. Why? We want to ask the question, what's wrong with it? What's wrong with, you know, a little media, a little this, a little that, a bad relationship, a, a little bitterness, a little this? You're asking the wrong question. The question isn't what's wrong with it. The question is, will this help me run the race? Will this help me win the race? If it won't help me win the race, I don't want it. So if that's a relationship that's draining you, that's, that's, that's distracting you from the will of God, sorry, they've got to go. If it's money or, 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 or a fascination with fame or fascination with prestige or admiration, you've got to just cut it off. If it's media, delete the apps. You know, put a time constraint in your home. Do whatever it takes. Why? Because it's not what's wrong with it. We could probably find a way to justify our little weights that we have around. But instead, I want to say, cut them off. I've got a race to run. And if this thing's going to hold me back, I don't want it. We've got something different. We've got something different that we're living for. It's not about a whining why. It's about a purpose why that we're living for. And as we sang earlier, fixing our eyes on Jesus. The pioneer and perfecter of faith. He's our perfect example. He went to the cross knowing the horrors that he was going to face. Not only physically, but spiritually. But scripture said he did it for the joy set before him. The joy was fulfilling the will of God. But I believe the joy was you. The joy was me. God came in flesh and died on a cross to reconcile the world unto himself. He wanted relationship with us. And all he wants now, you were his why, and now he wants you to make him your why. You were the purpose of God. For this reason I've come into the world to seek and to save the lost. And now all he wants in return is for him to be your purpose. Him to be your life's goal. I know when we think of purpose, I think of it too. We think of doing something. We think of a task. And all those things are wonderful. But it's not the ultimate purpose. The ultimate purpose is relationship with Jesus Christ.
Recently, God's been working on my heart. I've been so fixated on task purpose, mission. It's, you know, I feel that desire to go do something. And God had to quieten my soul. Like most of us, we have plenty of time. He kind of shut me down, and when I stopped struggling, kind of just sat there for a minute, minute. Started waking up a little bit earlier, sitting out on the back porch, turning off the phone, and just looking out the backyard and spending time with Jesus. In all our efforts in this life, that is the only why that fulfills the deep core of our soul. It's Jesus. Just time with Jesus. Yes, mission comes, purpose and activity and action comes, but it comes as a result of reconciliation with God. And whatever purpose we have for, in the context of that relationship will be reconciling other people to God. Because that was his purpose. He just wants relationship with you. He just wants you to make him your purpose. And whenever we make Jesus Christ our why, then we will fulfill the will of God in this world. All this, 2 Corinthians says, is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Reconciled people, forgiven people, begin to forgive others. Loved people, begin to love others. People that experience the mercy of God, experience mercy and extend that mercy to others. You want to talk about the purpose of breaking injustice in this world? Experience mercy today. You'll be merciful. You want to talk about breaking whatever, or, or, or going after whatever thing you want to do in this world? Experience the holy power of God, not just for a selfish reason, but just to be in relationship with Him, just to be in fellowship with Him, and it'll change everything. He'll give you something to do later, but first, just get to know Jesus. Just draw close to Him and be surrounded by His presence and feel the awe of your holy God. That's your purpose. That's why we're on this earth is to be reconciled to Him. I said at the beginning, your why will determine your future. As our musicians and singers get ready to come, there's a story about Matthew Emmons' 2004 Olympics. He is the best shooter in the world, rifleman in the world. In the 2004 Olympics in Athens, he had won gold, and he was getting ready to make 
history and win another gold. All he had to do was hit the target anywhere. That's all he had to do. So he took aim, took a deep breath, let it out, barely squeezed that trigger, bullseye. And the crowd gasped in shock. He was trying to figure out what's going on. He looked up, and he had hit the wrong target. He was disqualified. Oh, he would go on to win other golds. But the reality is, in that moment, he hit the target, but he hit the wrong target. Here's, here's the reality. You're going to hit whatever target you aim at with your life. Whatever your why is, whatever your purpose you go after, you're going you're gonna to more than likely achieve that goal, achieve that purpose. But here's what I want you to know, brothers and sisters. The only why worth living for, the only purpose that makes sense is relationship with Jesus Christ. That relationship with Jesus Christ will help you persevere through anything this world throws at you, just like those people in the Hall of Faith we call it chapter. No matter what the world throws at you, as long as you stay focused and persevering and, 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 and just doggedly determined on I'm going to love Jesus Christ. I'm going to grow in my relationship with Him. I'm looking for a, a city whose architect and builder is God. I don't care what this world has. I don't care about the riches of Egypt. I don't care what this world throws at me. I don't care the trials I go through. I've got a purpose that's bigger than all of it. I've got a why and that why is going to determine in my future this world doesn't determine your future brothers and sisters the things of this life do not determine your future don't let this pandemic sap you of your faith or try to destroy your mind oh, and let your heart fix on Jesus Christ you're going to make it persevere and let God do something extraordinary through you Praise God. Why don't we take a moment right now and just worship Him together. Let's remind ourselves why we live. We live to worship God. We live to be in relationship with Him. He's our purpose. He's our why. And that's going to determine our future in this life. Well, let's worship Him.
You are 